Welcome to The Just Pod, a podcast by the Criminal Justice Section of the ABA, the unified voice of criminal justice. Welcome to this episode of The Just Pod. Today we are joined by Trey Gowdy. Trey, thanks so much for being here. We really appreciate your time. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. I'll go ahead and introduce Trey Gowdy's background for those of you who are not familiar. Mr. Gowdy is currently a partner with Nelson Mullins, Riley, and Scarborough. And Gowdy served as a federal prosecutor in the District of South Carolina and then as the District Attorney for South Carolina's 7th Judicial Circuit. From 2014 to 2016, Gowdy chaired the United States House Select Committee on events surrounding the 2012 terrorist attack in Benghazi. From 2017 to 2019, he chaired the House Oversight Committee. And it sounds to me like Mr. Gowdy has other committee experience that I've neglected to mention here. He can clarify that for us in a moment. But listeners, thanks for joining us again. We're continuing our mini series following the events of January 6th and the ensuing investigations. Today, we're going to focus our conversation on Congress, which is why we've asked Mr. Gowdy here to join us and help bring some clarity to what we can expect, what the proceedings will look like, what they won't look like. And so we're going to increase our understanding of a congressional commission or investigation. And let's begin with one that we do know. It's been reported that retired Lieutenant General Russell Honore has been appointed by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi to lead an investigation of the Capitol riot of January 6th. More specifically, the investigation is said to be a review of the security of the Capitol complex. So Trey, if you would, please help us make sense of what this means for congressional investigations. So a few questions, if you could keep in mind as you help make sense of this. First, just for all of our sakes, can you just help us understand, is this a congressional commission or is it different? Is this investigation managed by the House Oversight and Reform Committee or the House Intelligence Committee? And would there be multiple investigations led by Congress at one time? That's a lot of questions to put forward, but help us. Uh, Well, those are all really, really good questions. And sometimes you feel like you need a scorecard to keep up. So this is the way I kind of break it down. You know, the Speaker of the House has a lot of power and In this case, she has the power to say, I want to look into X. And in this case, you know, and I'm just using the words of the speaker and the general themselves. And you've got phrases like operational readiness, interagency cooperation, security infrastructure, the morale and the readiness of the institutional staff. You know, when you're the speaker, it's more than just you know, you get to talk longer than anyone else on the floor of the House. I mean, you're responsible for that body, that half of Congress. So whether it's John Boehner, Paul Ryan, Nancy Pelosi, you have the power and the authority to say, I want someone to look into this. I don't consider that to be a congressional investigation because Congress has not voted on it. There's no resolution. There's no select committee. But it's also not you know, either or. You can do all of the above. In my sense, although I don't know this because I haven't, obviously haven't spoken to her about it. My sense is the speaker said, this is the quickest way for us to look at this discrete issue, which is the security of the complex. 
And she doesn't need anyone's permission to ask for that to be done. But that is very different. You mentioned the House Oversight Committee. They would have jurisdiction to look into matters, but they would not be governing this particular investigation. If it were going to be any congressional committee, it would probably be the House Administration Committee. And that's not a highly coveted committee. You know, people are not waiting in line for years and years to be on the House Administration Committee. And, you know, God willing, we'll live another hundred years and we won't need them for something like what happened on January the 6th. But there are plenty of committees that have jurisdiction. And there's obviously the law enforcement component, and Congress is not good at investigating criminal or even quasi-criminal behavior. And I wasn't good at it, and Congress isn't good at it, and we can talk about why they're not good at it. But in terms of security for the members, security for people who are visiting the Capitol Visitors Center, the speaker, without question, has the power and some would argue the obligation to say, tell us what happened and how do we keep it from happening again? Thank you. So if you wouldn't mind, why isn't Congress good at investigating criminal activity? Well, they don't have the tools. First of all, you know, when I was a prosecutor, you have access to the grand jury, you have law enforcement, you can ask, you know, either your local sheriff or the FBI, go approach a judge for a search warrant, go send a grand jury subpoena to this witness, Investigations are only as good as your access to investigatory tools, and those are only as good as your power to compel compliance. So if I want to search your house, if I'm a prosecutor and the cops decide they want to search your house, I don't need your cooperation for that because they're going to search your house if they have a search warrant. But Congress is more in the mode of asking for things. And you can ask for it with a subpoena, but the question then becomes, okay, I take your subpoena, I turn it into a paper airplane, and I mail it back to you. What can you do about it? You can hold me in contempt of Congress, but who prosecutes that? The executive branch does. So Congress holds someone in contempt. It's referred to the United States Attorney in the District of Columbia, and he or she may or may not go forward. So on the one hand, it's frustrating because Congress, you know, and I, I don't blame anybody but ourselves. I mean, I'm not there, but I'll include me in it. I blame myself for setting these expectations that we can conduct investigations like what a U.S. attorney does. Or, I mean, even if you contrast the Mueller investigation with what the House and Senate did with respect to Russia, we're asking people to come forward. They don't ask. They say, we're coming to talk to you. And if you invoke, we'll decide whether to immunize you. And if you don't want to come, we'll put you in front of the grand jury. Congress is, you know, whatever investigations Congress has success with, it is because the other side perceives there's a consequence for noncompliance. But the reality is there is no consequence for noncompliance. I mean, one of the investigations I was involved with it took eight years for us to litigate our way through court as to whether the executive branch had to turn material over to us. And just to try to keep this as apolitical as I can, obviously in the Ukrainian investigation, the administration said, we're not turning over documents. 
All right. Well, I mean, that doesn't happen in executive branch investigations. There's a judge that says, I'm compelling it, and you have until the close of business today to comply, or else I'm going to hold you in contempt. But judges don't have to get other people to enforce their contempt. Congress does. We don't have a prosecutor. We don't have a police force. We don't execute search warrants. So we're dependent on other people and the perception that there's a consequence if you don't comply. But the reality is, I mean, honestly, what is the consequence for people who don't comply? Well, that's news to me. So thank you for sharing that. I, I imagine for a lot of our listeners, that feels like news. And I did get a little ahead of the next question I'd plan to ask you about differences between an investigation led by Congress and one led by the DOJ or even a state's attorney office, which you just spoke to. And I guess instead, what I would ask is, there's so many pieces that have criminal liability from January 6th. So Obviously, the Capitol Police fall under Congress with oversight. And so when we look at all the other criminal activity, there were bombs that were brought to the Capitol. What sort of other commission or investigation do you think we can expect from Congress to I mean, this? The one that we know about is looking at security specifically. Do you think there's any that we can anticipate being announced and what sort of impact they might have? I think Congress is going to look into everything that happened leading up to January 6th, that date. And then, you know, the aftermath, the question is one of jurisdiction and then one of what can you do about it? So you mentioned bombs that were left. I mean, that is quintessentially an FBI investigation mm -hmm. into criminality. Okay, Congress is welcome, I guess, to ask for surveillance footage. They're welcome, I guess, to try to bring witnesses in. But okay, I mean, let's assume that they have a Matlock moment and they do figure something out. I mean, what are they going to do with that information? They're going to turn it over to the FBI because there's nothing they can do about it. They can't indict you. They can't try you. I, can, I was on the House Ethics Committee, and I think this is the best way to look at it. So a member of Congress is accused of this kind of this band of conduct that's criminal and also both violates the rules of the House. All right. So the House does have rules that govern the conduct of its members, but you also have the criminal code. So what we would do on House ethics is we stand down. We say, DOJ, you're going to go first. And the reason for that is, number one, their investigations are better. And number two, if it is criminality, I mean, honestly, why would you want Congress to take the lead? I'm not saying they can't look into it. The question is who goes first and who takes the lead? And if you don't have the power of a grand jury and you don't have a forensics unit to analyze fingerprints, I mean, you find an explosive device, you're going to want to fingerprint that. You're going to want to do forensics. Congress doesn't have a forensics unit. And I doubt we have any member that can actually compare fingerprints. So I mean, why in the world would you want that group to do the investigation when they're not set up to do it and they're not competent to do it? What Congress can do I mean, I don't think they've done it yet. They're welcome to have a 9-11 type commission, a Warren commission, 
something to take a look back and say, how did this happen? Why did this happen? And what can we do legislatively to keep it from happening again? In terms of punishing people who, and you know, the, the crimes in this case range from trespass to potentially capital murder. That's a big, wide, all-encompassing group of potential crimes. So the FBI, the local U.S. Attorney's Office, they need to take the lead. Congress, I'll give you another example. I mean, there are allegations that members may have given tours, and I'm not saying there's any evidentiary support for that. I'm just saying they're they're Mm -hmm. allegation. All right, that's a perfect example of mixed behavior. Congress and the House would be really, really interested in whether or not a member was aiding and abetting a looming riot. But that's also a crime. So the House Ethics Committee is welcome to look at it and then discipline that member. But that discipline is a letter of reprimand. That discipline, the most extreme case, could be expulsion from the House. But you're still not going to jail because Congress doesn't have the power to put you in jail. So most people rightly perceive the criminal system is the more important, serious system. So Congress is almost always going to let the criminal system go first and not to politicize it, but all members know that. So if you're a member and you perceive that politically this investigation is going to be disadvantageous for you, and I saw it happen on both sides, then you're actually going to say, look, we have no business doing this. We should let the FBI go first. We should let me. Have you heard of the inspector general? There's an inspector general for the Department of Justice. Happens to be Michael Horowitz. I mean, great guy, very good investigator. Horowitz doesn't have the power to put you in jail. But even then, Congress usually lets the inspector general go first ahead of Congress because in our perceived hierarchy, that's a higher investigation. So with bombs, with criminal conduct, Congress does not need to, want to, and should not get in the way of an ongoing criminal investigation. Okay, thank you so much. I'm learning a lot. I hope that our listeners are as well. And going back to the investigation that we know is happening led by General Honoré, what sort of transparency can we expect with this congressional investigation? I know he's looking at security and the Capitol Police or Freedom of Information Act exempt. So do you think that that'll be anything that'll become public knowledge or what are your thoughts? Um, <laughs> I'm kind of old school there. I think the best investigations are ones that don't contain leaks. And I note that Speaker Pelosi gave kind of an interim update, but it was kind of a, you know, general interim update. You know, I've been updated. He's doing what I ask, but there aren't a ton of facts in that interim assessment, which is good. There's a reason in court we tell the jury not to make up its mind until the last witness is testified. I mean, there's a reason we do that. And the reason is the last witness may be the most important witness. The last piece of evidence may be the most important piece of evidence. So why would you be drawing conclusions? Now, if she finds something on a Monday that needs to be fixed immediately, she has the power to fix it. But in terms of sharing what she's found or what the general has found, 
I'm all for transparent. I mean, it gets a little dicey when you're talking about security because you don't want to let the next group that has malintent know what you're fixing. So transparency in the criminal system is an indictment. You know, we don't hold press conferences. We're not supposed to hold press conferences for people that are not indicted. The transparency is the indictment and then the trial. Here in Congress, and one of the many, many reasons I'm not a big fan of congressional investigations is they're rife with leaks. And the only leaks you get are the ones that are positive for your side or detrimental to the other side. So I'm probably in a category of one here, and I'll probably get lots of hate mail, but that's okay. I'm a bigger fan of thoroughness and completeness and accuracy than I am transparency until the end. At the end, tell me what you found, but don't tell me what this witness said when the next witness may say the exact opposite. Yeah, can understand that. I hope you don't get any hate mail from our. <laughs> I've been married 31 years. This. I can handle it. Whatever they say, I can handle. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing all of your insights there. I think we already touched on this, but just for the sake of thoroughness, I want to be sure and ask the question. Also, just, you know, to make it easier to follow along, let's talk about police investigations again. So updates on police investigations have come from the chair of the legislative committee that oversee the U.S. Capitol Police. A lot of people are looking for answers around the policing of that day. It appears that the Capitol Police Department, along with the D.C. Metropolitan Police, are managing the investigations of potential police misconduct. So my question for you, and again, I you know, there's a little overlap with what we've already discussed, but will there be a separate congressional investigation or what should we expect to see in that space? My guess is you'll see a couple of things. I mean, each police unit does have kind of an internal affairs where they can investigate officer misconduct. The Department of Justice also has jurisdiction in some regards to look at what state and municipal police departments do and don't do, particularly from a civil rights standpoint. And where Congress can play a role is after that investigation is over, they are welcome to conduct the oversight or the review of the investigation to see whether it was fulsome or not. In terms of Congress itself investigating the Capitol Police, you know, investigations require access to witnesses and information. So if you have an officer who perceives himself or herself to be exposed to criminal liability, are you really going to testify to a congressional hearing? I, mean, I, I think you're not. And Congress, ironically enough, does have the power to immunize. But why in the world would Congress immunize someone who is potentially subject to criminal exposure? So we can write a report? I think most people would say, you know what, we'd rather you not grant immunity. We'd rather you punish the people that did wrong and stop going around doling out immunity. When Congress has used immunity in the past, it has not turned out well. So can they do a witness by witness, document by document investigation? They can. But what can they do at the end of it? Can they fire the officer? I don't think so. Can they indict the officer? I know they cannot do that. So Congress, I think, is best at making sure other people do their jobs. We're not good at 
conducting criminal investigations and it's a mixed jury verdict quite frankly this day and age you would think there'd be consensus on investigating this but politics usually does seep into congressional investigations and that's true on both sides i'm not casting any stones and there's nothing that wrecks public confidence in investigations quite like a politicization of that investigation. Yes, I think that you're onto something there. I can't imagine that many people would disagree with that. I have one last question for you. I know we're running out of time here. Racial bias is a big concern to people looking back on January 6th. And now we're going to do an episode focused on policing of the day. So there's you know, you don't have to do a lot of that work here, but just curious, is there a congressional committee currently or subcommittee that would look at racial bias in policing since it's with the Capitol Police or is that something that doesn't exist yet? No, I mean, certainly the Judiciary Committee would be the proper. There would be other committees that could have jurisdiction. The Oversight Committee, interestingly enough, has the broadest jurisdiction in terms of investigations, but and I used to chair that committee, but I always viewed us as having broad but secondary jurisdiction. So the Judiciary Committee is where that should be done. The women and men who want to be on the Judiciary Committee have backgrounds in law enforcement and backgrounds in prosecution, and that's where it should be done. Now, that's not to say it can't be done in both places, but you know, if I were the chair of the Oversight Committee, I would go to the chairman of the Judiciary Committee and say, is this something you're planning on doing? And if so, can I help? Do you need my help? And if the answer is, let us go first, that is the proper committee for that investigation to be done. All things judicial, law enforcement, Judiciary Committee. What probably will happen is they'll split up the jurisdiction and say, you take this part, we'll take this part, you write a report, we'll write a report. But again, what's the purpose of that investigation? It would be either to draft legislation to fix some perceived wrongness or to shed light. But in terms of punishing racial animus, you know, Congress is just not equipped to dole out punishment unless you're talking about withholding money. Well, we've covered a lot. Like I said before, I've certainly learned a lot. So as we try and follow all of the investigations from January 6th, then, uh, you know, a lot of people are looking for accountability. And so now we better know where to look for accountability. So thank you so much, Trey. We appreciate it. Uh, any last thoughts? Well, I think you put your finger on it. I mean, accountability and then consequences for conduct that doesn't rise to our level of expectation. And having been in the executive branch and having been in Congress, even chairing two committees, I, I have a lot more confidence in executive branch investigations than I do legislative branch investigations. And part of that is the politicization of the environment that we live in. But most of it, is who has the best tools and law enforcement has better tools than Congress. Okay. I think that's a great place to wrap up. So thank you again. And thank you to our listeners for joining us on this episode of the Just Pod. 